after it is all said and done, some of the things that you do, the feelings you feel, the way you see things is not because of you. It is not you that is sick any time that you have an issue. Sometimes it could be your environment that is sick. Welcome to Corners and Conversations. My name is Jeremy Strickland, and I will be your host of this podcast. I am the founder of Just Contributor Support, better known as JCS. My mission is to provide you with some form of mentorship, guidance, and resources. Corners and Conversations will have different things such as guests, perspectives, different topics of discussion, and different ways of you to look at things. So tune in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Corners and Conversations. And something very interesting that I had thought about for a couple of weeks had led into this topic being discussed. So I was a mental health specialist. And before I get into that term, I have to give you a little background on it. So there are behavioral health services providers, which would be community based programs. And it all boils down to, let's say, mental health counseling. And so there are different positions that goes into this organization. It may be different based off of where you live, but I'm going to break them down quickly for you. So there's a mental health technician, a mental health specialist, and a mental health professional. So a mental health technician is somebody who has a high school or GED. A mental health specialist is someone who has a bachelor's degree. And a mental health professional will be someone who have a master's degree. So I I received my master's degree last month. So if I was to continue in the field, I would be considered a mental health professional with this organization. It may be something else like a behavioral health professional, depending on where you live. So it's different terms for it, but they all follow the same structure. So the thing is, for these positions, it's not necessarily somebody who is licensed. And for the the license or licensiers would be under different acronyms. So, you know, how you see like a doctor and they'll have their name and it's a comment and it's some some letters spelled after it. For those in this field who are licensed, those are known as licensed professional counselors or licensed clinical social workers or licensed mental health counselors, licensed clinical professional counselor, a licensed mental health professional is different acronyms that go with the type of license that they obtained. And in this field, I focused on two things. Well, at my level, I focused on two things. So it's known as PSR and CPST. So PSR is known as psychosocial rehabilitation. And the other field is called, well, I say area of focus. The other area of focus is called CPST, which is community psychiatric support and treatment. So the psychosocial rehabilitation is the individual or the counselor focus on what was diagnosed for the individual. So let's say somebody's diagnosed with depression or ADHD or some type of identifiable symptoms that correlates with a diagnosis. Pretty much we'll take that information and give it to the licensed person who is licensed to do an assessment. So we'll take all the information that we go based off of why they was referred to us, based off of the history of the client and the people who are close to the client. We take all that information and then we give it to the licensed individual. That licensed individual will then do their their own assessment to get their findings out of it, asking a series of questions and things like that. And then they will take all the information that the mental health technician, specialist or professional would give to them. And they come up with the treatment plan. Right. So 
they'll take that information. But before I get into that, I want to break down further what the two areas of focus would be. So the psychosocial rehabilitation would be the things that's based off of the individual. So the reason why the individual was brought to us or referred for services will be what we focus on. So it's the counselor and that individual. So that's one form of counseling. The other side, which is the community psychiatric support and treatment, would be the counselor working with people that are within the individual's support group. So you have the client who is receiving services. It's like adjusting the individual to the community that they are a part of. Well, the community they are part of. And then the CPST is adjusting the community to the client. So sometimes I will work on cases by myself, providing both areas of studies. Or in other cases, I'll work with another case manager, which would be another counselor. And we'll just cooperate and coordinate on things that's going on. And I realized that there was a lot that I did not know while being in a profession. Now, in full disclosure, I am brand new to this. So I had went into it while receiving my master's. So I already had the bachelor's and I was in school for the master's. I had started it. And then within a couple of weeks, then I got my master's. So what's interesting is that it's a very interesting turn that I had to take while being a counselor because I will get somebody who is referred to me, which is being put on my caseload. And then I go meet them. I meet their family. I meet everybody that is considered important to that individual right then and there. Before I can provide any form of treatment or services or anything to that matter, I like to research the individual and get to know them. My lo- my logic is if I don't know anything about you or we don't have you know, a rapport or a form of understanding with each other, I'm not helpful in any way, shape or form. I can say a lot of things, but it will not have no meaning or impact because I don't know if what I'm doing or saying is relatable. So that leads to the the topic of this podcast. Is it you or your environment? So for a lot of people, when you look at the the reason why they're at the community based program or the behavior health center is because they were referred there for the bulk of what I seen was school behaviors like disruptive behaviors or people having serious mental concerns that their support group is worried about, or they had some interactions with law enforcement, and instead of bringing them to you know, probation officers or putting them in a detention center, him or her, they would refer us to the community-based programs, and it's like, we'll see what we can do. So the licensed individual will put together a treatment plan, which is based on the behaviors that was observed, based on the information that the support group was providing, we'll put together a plan of action, and focus on the key areas of what is causing these issues or what are the main concerns that they are expressing as in the client. The crisis mitigation plan will be for somebody who's having suicidal thoughts or thoughts of homicide. And it's pretty much a a guide as in a step-by-step situation and understanding where they're at on this spectrum and what is it that they should do next when they experience these type of behaviors or these thoughts. And then the way how we support or track the progress that we're making and what we're doing, it goes with the counseling sessions and the progress notes or case notes is what they're called. So we have all that information and every, let's say six months, there's the treatment plan, which we update. So we look at that treatment plan every six months to see, is this goal being set? Is there something we need to add? Or is there something that we need to take away? Because after doing further further research and sessions, we figure out, okay, this session is not in line with what we initially thought. And the next thing is every three months, it would be like a checkup pretty much. So 
there's a way of accountability in keeping some organization when it comes to sessions and providing treatment and activities of how we go about providing treatment. And then for a lot of clients that I was meeting, which is uh, technically school aged clients. So if they still are in high school, middle school, elementary school, we would consider them school age. And I noticed that there was a lot of differences between what is expected of me as a counselor and what is expected of the client while they're receiving services or treatment. And so I'm going to start with the the definition of what defines an illness. So an illness is defined as a disease or a period of sickness affecting the body or mind. I want you to keep that in mind, family. The next is environmental illness, and that is a set of symptoms or disease caused by chemicals, fumes, pollutions, uh, viruses, toxins, physical hazards, found in the environment, exposure to toxic chemicals, all kinds of stuff on the environmental aspect. So I want you to take that environmental illness definition, the, of course, the literal definition of it. And I want you to translate that into people, places, things, ideologies, conditioning, constructs, social norms. Just consider that as part of the environmental illness. When you try to find the balance between you and your environment, you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. Based on what you ask yourself, it's like, what happens when you are away from home or the people in your circle or if you're in a different environment? Does the way how you feel, does that change or does that stay the same? You know, as in, let's say you have what's considered an illness. You suffer from a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of strong emotions that you're still trying to figure out. If you're in a different environment, do you feel the same? You know, it's like, does that illness follow you or do you necessarily feel different when you're with different people? Like, do you feel the same when you're at school than you are at home? Do you feel the same when you're, you know, in the environment where you feel as if you have free range of motion? You could go outside in the field and play some football, some soccer, what have you. Do you feel the same in that environment than you do when you're at home in your room or you feel as if you're in a confined space such as inside? It's very interesting if you were to unpack those things. When the things around you change, are you paying attention to your level of awareness? Like, are you keeping an eye out on or keeping an internal review of your situation, as in the situation of yourself, the situation of things that are around you, or just noticing the change in your behavior when you're with certain people, when you're with certain places, or when you're doing certain things? Does those things ever pop up in your mind? The next thing is, How often do you keep an eye on your support group? So your support group is people who are in your inner circle. So that's family, that's friends, that's influencers, that's people that are pretty much close to you in a way that when they say things, it impacts you. Rather, it's an emotional aspect or it's a logical aspect. When people say things, it makes you think, it makes you reflect on things. Do you have that type of guidance or Do they provide things in your life or is there things that people are not providing that you are aware of? So for some people, they may have their mother, but they know for a fact their father may not be as prominent or as as involved in their life as they would be comfortable with. It goes with you asking, what is it that you need to become a better you? When I say when you think about your support group or the outside factors of what define you. What is the line of communication with these people? Is it simple for you to express how you feel or 
for people to understand you? Or is it more of a complicated situation? Because there are some people who are close to people when it comes to proximity, but they're not close to people when they talk about their fears or their, their discomforts and the things that they wish to express. But it's the fear of being received differently than what they initially think or the cost of not being accepted as much or accepted as much because they're expressing these these uncomfortable things. So if you had a a big issue that you cannot handle yourself, how many people do you trust with that level of a discussion? Can you speak to two people about that situation, four people, eight people, 16 people? That is a number that you and you alone will be able to answer. Nobody else can answer that for you. Are you with others because you are understood or because you are accepted or even worse, tolerated by people? So I've seen some similar experiences to where I'm speaking to a client and it's when they're in front of people that they're not as comfortable or as confident when they speak about things. And so I I make it a point to visit them in different environments. So for some people, it may be at their school while I get the best version of them or the most honest version of them. It may be at home or it may be at the office or just in a random location. And that's what I noticed different things. So the differences is what I am tracking. So we can have similar discussions saying the same thing over and over again. But I realized the the response in their tone, the response in the way they present themselves or the response in their level of confidence around certain people or environments. And one thing I'm really interested in when I speak to a new client in particular, I ask them, does their support group know about what it is that they desire? If people around you know what you want, I do think it will be less likely for people not to understand you or any event that they disagree with you. They still understand what it is that you're in search of. The next aspect of is it you or your environment is the mental and physical health itself. If you do not have to worry about your surroundings, your thoughts, or the people around you, would you be the same person that you are now? I think once in the, a question like that is asked upon someone, it forces them to confront themselves and their environment at the same time. So me asking myself that question, I'm, I'm known for being too honest in a sense. Because it's like, this is a statement that guides me. So it's not that I worry about my surroundings, my thoughts, or the people around me. I worry about people manipulating my honesty or people exploiting the level of self-awareness that I have when they project the individual that they are onto me. And when we talk about mental and physical health for a while, it took for me to understand that On the outside, I could present a very communicative approach, you know, so for some people, they're very comfortable with that side of me. But on the inside, it's like I know for a fact I'm sorting out conversations that I can have with that individual as well as conversations I cannot have with that individual. So to to get deeper into the context, when we talk about physical health, everyone is placed on a scale. For example, an active person. Or professional athletes are regarded as a model of a fitness standard. Some of the greatest athletes, actors, entertainers are partly known because of the amount of time they spend investing in their physique. So 
But somebody who does great for a performance. Yes, that's amazing. But the research behind it is due to excuse me, the the results behind it is due to the amount of time that they're putting in the gym, the amount of time that they spend practicing their craft. So when we see it, that may be our first time for that performance that we're witnessing. But the amount of hours that they invest in themselves is on a whole nother level compared to the everyday individual. Now, when you highlight that, the, the peak of someone's acting career or shattering records when it comes to the athletic trophies or nominees and awards and all of those things, those are all great indicators of they're making progress. There's nothing wrong with that. But in time, we discover the mental issues that follow. And in translation, that means that somebody can be doing well physically or they present themselves well on the outside. But how well do we know them as far as the internal structure? For a lot of people, it's not that they put on a front because they don't want people to pry into their lives. It's just the fact that they have the assumption that this is how they have to present themselves. And then as time pass on, they start to reveal who they truly are. But it's known as a a distinctive approach, like a change in their behavior, a change in their personality, a change in how they conduct themselves around people. And so looking at those two factors, I want you to think about what situations are you in physically the same way as your health when it comes to the mental aspect. So questions I've asked myself these past couple of weeks are, are the people around me in the best position to help me? Is my environment geared toward growth and development? Does everyone around me know what part they play in my life? Can I rely on those I believe I trust? In my time of need, who is willing to prioritize my sanity and care? And what made me ask those questions is that I was seeing some clients and as I'm doing my assessments and I'm getting to know them, I'm learning about their life and their history and I'm learning about their support group. I realized a lot of the things that they're referring the client as in the individual who could be as young as five or as old as or let's say of an older age. Once we get near the let's say the the 30s or I even had a 68 year old client. I'm looking at them and I'm witnessing that it's not that the things are necessarily wrong with them. They're not the problem. It was just the environment that they're in. So. When I look at these diagnoses and things that reflect someone who may be in need of services, keyword maybe, it's interesting when I discover that this is an everyday individual. You know, it's it's weird when I'm speaking to someone and they are looking at this as I need to go through this in order to get some help. I need some help. And then my logic is, is like there's nothing wrong with you. Like, I I don't know if you knew that or not, but there's nothing wrong with you. But instead of me assessing you saying these are the behaviors that you have and these are the symptoms that seem to manifest, I look at it backwards as in, is your environment supportive of how you make progress? And that became a very life changing perspective for me and for some of the clients that I disclosed that information with. So. When I speak to their support group, I usually ask, you know, the individual, let it be their mother or their father or a close person who is in their life, let's say a guardian or a foster parent. I ask them, who does that individual remind you of? Because it's interesting that 
everybody who is connected to the client that's receiving services, they see a little bit of themselves in that individual or they see someone who that individual seemed to mirror or mimic. And so as I dig deeper into that, it's like they even though the client I'm responsible for the client and ensuring that he or she gets the best quality care is interesting when the environment around them realize that there are things that they haven't addressed. There are things that they haven't focused on or there are things that they now are able to admit should be a better focus or quality of time spent on correcting, improving and growing those behaviors that were not productive and turn them into behaviors that are productive. And so that leads me to ask everybody that's listening at this point in time. When was the last time you conducted an audit? By definition, an audit is an official inspection of an individual's or organization's accounts, typically by an independent body. So if you think of an organization, a business, they go through these independent audits to remain in good standing. So they do an audit and they publish those findings to the stakeholders, which are people who are invested in the company. They can publish that audit to the general public so that way everybody is able to look at the findings and discovery of what's going on. It's a way of validating that the company is doing what is ethical, what is moral and what is appropriate for their business model. And it's also a way of proving to the government that you're not doing anything illegal. So when you take that context When was the last time you conducted an audit on your environment, your support group, your behaviors, your form of conditioning, or just the information that you're receiving in your life? You will discover a root cause of issues that you were never aware of or that you wish you knew more of once you conduct the audit. So the whole purpose of an audit is, like I say, getting to that root cause of the issues or the problems that you are experiencing or that you are witnessing, because you have some healthy individuals. But it's very interesting that an individual at this point in time would be the client that I'm providing services for. And they're not the one that is the root cause of the issue. They're the person being impacted by other situations, which is caused by individuals in the support group or the environment that they're in. Rather, it's their location based on where they live. It's the school that they attend, not being able to provide adequate services. It's the people that is within the family who never received any form of treatment. And they're just taking that thing that was expressed to them and transferring it to the next person. Because understanding that The habits that we have is not necessarily from an individual perspective, as in we don't just express these things ourselves because that's what we came to discover about ourselves. And this is our identity. So we are presented. (laughs) No, that's not how that works. A lot of the things that we are subject to or we are manifestation of is because it is a form of conditioning is because we are doing what has been done to us is because we are being an example of what it was that we witnessed. And so the things that was uncommon as we was growing up will become common as we're replicating it and implementing it, because subconsciously, these are the things that we experienced. So my way of validating the amount of progress that I'm making or validating my way of thinking is I conduct an audit. So I do an audit on myself. I audit those around me. I audit those on social media, my community and my society in general. It all contributes to my well-being. So if I'm uncomfortable with myself, the first thing I'm doing is I'm going to check myself. 
I'm then going to ask, when did I start feeling this way? You know, was it a certain time? Was it a certain experience? Was it a certain emotion that I have now had creeped up on me and now I'm starting to manifest it or be in that that mood more? It's like I noticed that my train of thought or my train of well-being has derailed. So it's no longer on track. So instead of me trying to create new things or go about things in a different way, all I do is ask myself, when did I start feeling like this? Or when is the earliest time that I remember this type of emotion, this feeling or this way of thinking? And I just trace that back to the source. And so I said, "Okay, I'm not saying that it could be an individual who is causing this, but it could be the way how things are set up. So that's what I recommend, family. For anything that you get out of this podcast episode, I want you to start off with that question. Is it you or your environment? Because if you're in different places, different spaces, right, and you're noticing there's a change in how you conduct yourself, you don't feel as restrictive, you don't feel as uh, manipulated, you don't feel as pressured to go about stuff in a certain way, that's a key indicator. It could be something that came from your environment that's making you feel the way that you felt before noticing the change for better or for worse. But if you know that if you're in different spaces, you're talking to different people, you're doing different activities, but you feel the same, you know it has to do more of a deep internal reflection of yourself. The best way I could say it, if it is you, don't focus on so much of your environment. If it's your environment, don't let it have so much of an impact on you. So it's understanding when and where to apply that way of thinking, that amount of focus, and just doing the the best approach of ensuring that you are taken care of because you should put yourself as a priority. So when it comes to illness or wellness and simplifying things, I like to place my situations in three categories. Or I give myself three questions that I ask myself. It may take you a while. Let's say if you used to start doing this right now, it may take you a while to organize things, but it is a task that is worth it. Your quality of life would thank you as time progresses. So you ask yourself three questions. How can I use this? Why must I use this? And when will I use this? And that may be three questions that sound so irrelevant. But when you think about your experiences and the environment that you're in, you're now validating. Is this something that you should latch on to or something you should just let go? As in, let that experience be what it is and you continue to make progress or something that is more impactful. You say, oh, man, this is a great experience. Let me hold on to this for the sake of progress. And so if you have an unfortunate experience, you know, a lot of people will look at the the victim aspect or the fault in the situation. So the way our mind works is if you came across a negative experience, if you stay on that negative experience, it will forever be a negative experience. So you say, okay, how can I use this? You could use it as a form of preventative measures. So if I had a disagreement with somebody and it didn't turn out the best, let's say we got to a physical altercation. OK, how can I use this? I could use this as a barometer, as in a, a scale of if you get to the point where I feel as if I'm about to hurt somebody or get to the point where I feel as if we're no longer talking with words. It now becomes more of a physical conversation. I'm going to just, hey, look, you, I'm going to let you have that one. We could talk some other time. Right. And so I use the past incident of how I got into a physical altercation as a way of assessing when I'm beginning to lose control of myself or assessing how the other individual is no longer having a conversation and comprehending what it is that I'm saying. 
So if it gets to the point where we're not even listening to what each other is saying or get to a point where I feel as if this is not a productive conversation worth having, why am I having it? So the next question would be, why must I use this? The reason being why I assess the individual and myself when it comes to our behavior, having a disagreement is because using that as an example could be the reason why I stay out of unfortunate situations later on in life. It could keep me out of jail. It could keep me out of uncomfortable environments that I may have seen myself being in associated with that individual or with that group of individuals. And when will I use this? The way how I ask that question is, if I was to get into the same scenario with that individual, would I apply those principles then? Would I apply that new way of thinking then? And that's my way of stopping it at the earliest convenience. So it's not about avoiding issues. It's about taking the things you have already experienced or taking the what you have witnessed other people experience or hear other people experience and applying it in your life so that way you're less likely to become the topic of discussion or the example to that situation. After it is all said and done, some of the things that you do, the feelings you feel, the way you see things is not because of you. In translation, it is not you that is sick any time that you have an issue. Sometimes it could be your environment that is sick. With that being said, take care of yourself, prioritize your needs, family, seek counsel on decisions that are beyond your understanding. If you don't have a clear logic or a clear perspective about what it is that you're doing or experiencing it, the last thing you can do, the last thing you should do, I should say, is act as if this is normal. If it's not normal to you, there is somebody who experienced that before. There's support groups online. There's other people. Hopefully there's people in your community or in your circle. If you don't have anybody of that level of trust, you could contact me either through my email or the number provided for this podcast. I usually have all my contact information in the show notes for each podcast. If you click on show notes or discussions, it'll have all that information for you. And so that way you never have to wonder that if somebody in your circle has information about you, would they treat you differently? And I learned that for a lot of the clients that I speak with or spoke with, I should say, it's the fact that there is somebody who is there and their first objective is not to judge them. It's the fact that somebody gave them permission to understand it's okay not to be okay sometimes. It's the fact that the level of consultation that I'm giving them is geared towards them and them alone to make their progress. It's not about saying something's wrong with you. Let me fix you. It's about saying, I'm here to listen to the things that bother you. I'm here to ask you questions. I'm here to give you a perspective. So that way, as we continue to have these discussions, you as in the individual is already connecting the dots of how to get back on track with their life. I hope all is well, family. Take care of yourself. For those that are still listening, thank you for your time and contribution to JCS. If you have any topics you want covered, wish to be a guest on the show, or just a conversation, you can email me at contact at jcsupport.org or fill out the podcast request form on our website. Best wishes to you and yours, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, take care.